Hey, this is Josh. Thanks for tuning into the show, Healers on Healing. I wanted to make this show because we can get caught in the trappings of life. Responsibilities, bills to pay, kids to feed, just all these things that take our attention. And to me, healing and being our healthiest self gets neglected. I thought it'd be interesting to ask my colleagues and other professionals what the heck this thing, health and healing, is. I hope these conversations inspire you, demystify the process, maybe reinforce what you already know, and give you new ideas on how to be the healthiest you. episode, my guest Merrick Undera talks about the need to feel our unwanted feelings and the health produced by doing so. Merrick is a practicing therapist in San Francisco and Mill Valley. Tune in as Merrick speaks about today's young people, how he holds hope about the future, and speaks candidly about his own struggles with shelf blame. So my name is Merrick Ondera, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist in the state of California. I uh, currently have two offices for private practice, one in San Francisco, one in Mill Valley. I also, on the side, work at a, a crisis stabilization unit for teens, adolescents primarily. We do take kids all the way down to the age of five or six, but that's very rare. Perfect. With that experience, what's healing? What's health? You're working with these different individuals, couples. Where are you taking people? Great question. (laughs) Totally. It's an easy question that I start out with. What comes to me first is to help people to access painful parts of self, feeling states or otherwise to break through defenses to some degree so that one can experience a more authentic experience as a means for transformation. Tell me a little bit of, of like authentic experience. I, I guess I would say in general, we, we all try to avoid certain kinds of pain. Um, we all do it. We have our ways of trying to mitigate the severity of of certain feeling states. And I think a big part of my job is to eventually kind of get down to that, what that is for for any given person, for them to sort of explore, to talk through it, to mentalize it within the context of a relationship with another person so it doesn't feel so harrowing and alone. They don't feel so alone with it. Here we are as human beings, maybe instinctually adverse to feeling pain. And yet there is something about feeling it, going into it, digesting it, that creates a healthy state, that creates an authentic state. And it's a lot easier to go into it with someone else than by ourselves. Yeah, I I would say that's certainly the point of it, to do it with somebody else. Yeah, I think it's a universal aspect of being human and it serves us well to to avoid to uh, bypass really difficult you know feeling states but as we all know it 
comes back to haunt you, might bite you in the ass someday. In due time, then one's capabilities to try and access some of that unwanted material is a really important part of what we do. Yeah, can you say more about that? How does it serve us to avoid it? And then how does it come back to, like, bite us? Yeah, well, I, th- I think, you know, we have we have lives. We have people to answer to. We have children and uh, relatives and our, our workmates and the intricacies of our lives. And there's very little time or bandwidth in the world to, to maybe allow someone to really go through the full process of something. You know, one has to kind of, like, soldier on and go to work, take care of your kids, those kind of things. To have a space, to have an opportunity to to really work through it and understand what it is to feel it can be really, really helpful for people in the long run. Give them a greater capacity to, to move forward and to love others. You know, the degree to which we suffer or go through difficulty, I think, is the degree to which we're capable of loving, finding empathy, you know, finding openness to others understanding what other people need, what we need, um, really, when it gets down to it, to not fall too victim to defensive processes, you know, whether it's self-medication or some other kind of way of avoiding that pain. I hear um, a diversity of answers there, which, which are great. And it's, I almost hear like the further I can tolerate and digest and go through pain, which is one side of us if I'm holding it on a spectrum, it's like the further I can go on the other side of the spectrum of like joy and love. It's like if I damper this one, I kind of have to damper this side too. I was talking to somebody recently about going backpacking, you know, and how you kind of discard all of your comforts and you rough it. And just coming home to a hot shower is like something you've never felt before. You know, you've always taken a hot shower, but you haven't appreciated it in the same way. Maybe that's kind of a, a, a corny. Um, no, but I love that, actually. It's so easy to be like, pain, ugh, avoid. But in a way, I really love this notion of like, it makes you appreciate life. Yeah. And like, there's a way that you can't really actually avoid it. It's going to play out in your life in some way. If we're talking about self-medication, for example, yeah. I mean, everybody I think knows this to some degree. The story doesn't end well. At some point, the levy breaks. Whatever you're propping it up with, you know, whatever substance, let's say, there's myriad examples of how that ends poorly for people. And so, if you can kind of nip it in the bud early and and see what purpose it's serving you, what you're avoiding, what's underneath it, you know, what type of pain. In some way, hopefully, a person like me can help somebody at least try to experience in incremental steps what's underneath it all, what is so unwanted, what is so painful, so that they can understand that they can be more vulnerable than they think they can, that they can survive, break down, and kind of integrate that into their new self so they can become a new person capable of more vulnerability, a greater capacity to take risks, to put themselves out there, to see what's best for them, you know. I work with a lot of young people, preteen, teen, young adult. A big part of my work isn't just asking them to feel awful with me, <laughs> but it, it's what do we what do we do with this out in the real world? How do you take this out into your life and take risks? have failures, act out a little bit if it needs to be, and 
exercise like these different parts of self having a greater bandwidth for the difficult parts of life one day arriving at a place where you can tolerate the difficulty that's inevitable do you see a difference when you're working with young people versus old people are are we all kind of working on the same thing yeah i guess my bias is it's more towards um early experiences that that inform who we are and how we sort of live our life i'm no expert on <laughs> folks more advanced in age <laughs> my general thought is that you know young people have a greater capacity for change they're not as stuck in their way they can be of course stubborn and reckless but there is a less rigid personality do see changes i think that happen quicker that are more kind of palpable and manifest in real life problems you know which is exciting i just think about like when we dump tons of dirt over something and so like i think as we get older perhaps sometimes we have buried it so much further deeper mm-hmm. that like ah oh, there's just more to do to get there but for young people it still feels a little bit closer to the surface so we can kind of get there perhaps a little faster yeah. Yeah. <laughs> random question but it's a question that i do like asking a lot of people the question comes out is like why are we designed this way we have to work towards health we have to like actively participate in our health turning towards our pain when we're sort of instinctually desiring not to do you have a, a reason behind that have you know, I'm, I'm always joking, like when I meet the maker of this, I'm going to be like, was there not a better design? <laughs> Could we not have just been healthy from birth to death? I can muse about this forever. I, you know, what comes to mind is from an evolutionary perspective, you know, we're, we're in this rapidly evolving civilization, societal state that is by no means tried and, and tested. Our life expectancies are so much longer the intricacies that connect us cause for a lot of conflicts, internal or otherwise, you know, between our former natural state and what we've become or what we're striving to become now. A hundred years ago, we lived half as long. Just a drastic change in, in what is a normal developmental trajectory for a human being. And I think we're just sort of in an uncharted territory, especially like middle age on. Oh, right. I might be checking out like, like a long time ago. This might have been it. Like I'm at the age that I could very well have been checking yeah. out at. Yeah. And I, yeah, I'm only, and in my mind, I'm only like halfway through yeah. the journey. Yeah, totally. That's you occurred know? to me too. Yeah. yeah. What a different, I actually haven't really sat and thought about that. What a different story just holding from the beginning of if I was checking out in my 40s, you know, or 50s. I'm going to bounce around with different questions for you. You know, here we both do, and here we both believe in the power of sitting with someone to do this work. Like, what is the gift of sitting with someone? And again, like, throughout the show, I've always said, like, it doesn't have to be a therapist. But I do think there's something about not sitting in your own head. It's just harder to do the work. Yeah, what is the power of sitting with someone? Why Why does that unlock health, healing, turning towards pain, we are social creatures. For the life of me, I can't see a way through this life without other people and intimacy with other people. It's a need of all of ours, I think. For myself, I, I have no problem being interested in, in people's stories and their lives and what they present with. 
I don't feel bored by it. Of course, I have my own what we call tra- counter-transference reactions to certain situations, but um, it is not hard for me to be interested, and I feel I do feel a sense of real privilege and honor to be able to be allowed to be granted access into people's inner worlds and, and their lives, the details of their lives. It's a treat, and it's kind of nice to get paid for it, you know, for the most part, right? Mm-hmm. It's not always easy, but um, I love stories. I love the details of people's lives. I'm very interested. I've, I've liked to observe people. I find myself sitting here, and I want to meet you where you are, and I appreciate that you've granted me the honor of answering some of the questions that I have to build into the show. But if you're willing, I'd, I'd love to go to sort of a personal level of mentioned me and you're feeling tired a little weary from your week like using all this framework what do you think you're doing for yourself here in support of being your healthiest you because that's a very common that almost is more inviting to people listening like oh right i get that i'm tired for my week yeah what do you what do you do with that and how do you hold that and i'm not terribly graceful in holding that a lot of times Uh, if I'm totally honest it it makes me think about I often get a question asked of me to the effect of why did you get into this why did you choose this profession something like that and I've always had a hard time answering that over the years I've realized that there's a certain amount of shame that I feel about it in that I think a big part of me it wasn't for altruistic reasons you know it was for myself, my own sense of self, my own sense of self-worth, the impulse to want to help somebody, to right or wrong, to be there for them, to have some sort of an insight or interpretation that will exact some kind of a positive change for someone. And, you know, I can't help but admit that. And I think, I suspect that's true about any therapist you know we're human at the end of the day of course you know we are who we are and our experiences brought us to this profession and it's also very important for me to always keep an eye on that to see the ways in which I might be enacting that with my clients to try and find ways to work through you know my own stuff what I do with it, to answer your original question, I tend to turn towards myself. That, that's my defense, right? I tend to ask the first question of what am I doing wrong? What did I do to create this difficult week or this situation with a particular client or clients? How am I not doing a good enough job? So I tend to beat myself up. There's this underlying sense of you know responsibility self-importance that you know goes way back to my childhood and I've done a lot of my own psychotherapy around it I've gotten much better at seeing it for what it is and taking the time I need to process through some of it and, and see things a little more clearly and therefore how I can be of use or service to the client or the family that I'm working with yeah and I, I have a lovely family I get a lot from them my daughter's my wife I had my former life as an athlete. I do go to my physical self in times of distress. I try to kind of work through some of my own issues through that. Basketball, riding the bike, just getting outside. I like to be active. And I really appreciate you sharing that one thread that I want to stay on. The something distressing is happening in my life. How is it my fault? 
like, oh, do I think that's so human and so many of us do that. And, you know, I often call it double dipping, right? It's I have one pain and now I'm starting to attack myself. So now I've made it two wounds against my skin. And I love that you also talked about what you do to deal with it. Okay, let me see if I can kind of physically work some of that energy out. Let me see if I can take in the love of my family to sort of counter berating myself. Let me see if I even heard you say maybe like give yourself some distance to it. Like when you're saying like processing it, like how do I kind of keep myself not stopping myself from doing it, but realize I'm doing it. Tell me if this feels like at least I realize there's like a whip in my hand, but I'm not just totally cracking it against my skin. No, yeah, I think that's right on. I think to observe yourself whipping yourself, right? Inevitably or in time leads to a reevaluation of whether or not I should even do it. So I've gotten much, much better with it. My turnaround times are much better. My bandwidth for handling difficult situations in the psychotherapy rooms, much better. You know, it's only something you get after a lot of experience, you know. I still have so much experience to be had. You know, I've come a long way and I've I worked in some very difficult settings with kids with a lot of really complex trauma, really awful life situations. And I could see myself change through that, you know. Change how? What I thought I could uh, deal with turned out to be much more. You adapt, you habituate to situations. I mean, we do that as humans. Um, it's easier for some, harder for others, but that, that, there's truth in that. Yeah, there's something so powerful when we do actually recognize our strength, our abilities, our capacity to deal with the crap. <laughs> yeah. It's empowering, or at least I've found it empowering to when I really have allowed myself to, oh, right, I, I can handle this. Life becomes a whole different game when I start telling myself I can handle it than when I tell myself I can't handle it. Yeah. I want to circle back to your statement, which I think is powerful to hear. You know, I got into this healing work helping people because of myself. I would almost say, if your therapist doesn't admit that, leave the room. <laughs> you know, like it almost feels to me like, we're all attracted to this because of our wounds and healing ourselves. And the more we know that, I think, makes us a better therapist. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciated you sharing that. Yeah, I think I just wanted to, like, affirm that and relate to you in that and totally not have you sit alone in that. For sure, I was trying to, like, find my healing through this. And thankfully, I think this led me to do therapy. And I really, like, used the right place <laughs> for my healing and boy going to therapy has made me also a better therapist because it's so to sit on the couch on the other side and really understand what it's like to be over there it facilitates us as as therapists as healers mm -hmm. you know i'm trying to see if i have a question here other than <laughs> just <laughs> affirming and joining you in it yeah maybe like what have you been surprised to learn I'm calling us all healers. I don't know if you embrace that word or not. But yeah, in your journey of being a therapist, like what, what have been some of the pleasant surprises for yourself along this way? With my tendency to criticize myself, I, of course, can sometimes project that outwards and I can be critical or moralistic towards others, you know. 
I've been very heartened by working with people as to the future of humanity, you know, um, young people in, in particular, you know. I'm very impressed by how sophisticated and adept a lot of young people are. Mm. Very smart, very hardworking, very sensitive, compassionate. It's very cool, you know. I, I don't find myself as critical of people as I might have uh, anticipated. Yeah, I guess I'm surprised at just how easy it is to love them and, you know, feel like happy to be working with them. Sounds like it even opens up kind of hopefulness for what our world, the change of our world often is led by the young. And yeah. it's cool to hear you speak of, yeah, these people are rad. Yeah. They, they got good heads on their shoulders. They... And, and they're, they're, you know, young people are, in my view, especially around here, they're asked to do so much. They're asked to balance so many things. Their school experience, even 20 years ago when we were in high school, I mean, it was quite different. Their school experience is demanding. It's difficult. And I think they have a sense of you know where the world is moving towards technological advancement, automation, and it's very anxiety-provoking. What am I going to be able to do with this life and what purpose am i going to serve i see a lot of kids that are caught up in the, the, the frenzy of trying to transcend their basic human selves it's pretty incredible i i'm always annoyed when i hear the age-old thing of old people saying you know well back in my day and it's followed by some kind of a comment about how much better, tougher, moralistic, or, you know, whatever it is. That kind of annoys me. I don't think that's very helpful. I know it's part of human development, but I don't think it's warranted in this case with this generation, which I think there's a lot of hope for. Totally. Yeah. You got me reflecting on my own experience with young people and the degree to which they just embody... I don't know exactly how to even say this, but like the way they just embody privilege and oppression and awareness of differences and different experiences and definitely climate change and are holding. Yeah, it just when you said like, I think that they're holding a lot more than me and you held in high school. Like, it's definitely true for me. I've been like, yeah, you're you are like, yeah. I didn't become this aware <laughs> until I was in my 40s. Yeah. Like, you're doing this in your teens and 20s. Holy cow. Yeah, it's impressive. Yeah. And part of my hopes of this show is, right, to inspire people who maybe haven't even thought of doing any of this health work, whatever, you know, way it's presented to them, but that I'm planting seeds. Like, think yeah. about it. But part of that is, I think, also telling them, like, what does it taste like on the other side? You know, we call this work because it's work. It's not the most fun work. You have to kind of feel some of the shitty things you don't want to feel. Yeah, what's on the other side? Give me, like, what are the tastes? What are the reasons? But here's what you get on the other side. Well, it's it's funny because I joke around with a lot of my colleagues about how we're all kind of masochists, you know. <laughs> but, you know, I, I think there's great meaning in it. We have a very... DIY culture in America, template of the rugged individual, the exceptionalist. There is a notion that we can, you know, pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. And we don't need systems or others to help us along. 
it carries a huge price for folks. It's, um, I think it's extremely limited view, right? Um, <laughs> I think we all really need each other. Undeniable, the benefits of interdependence. And what better thing to do than sometimes throw up your hands and say, I can't do this by myself. We can't do everything by ourselves. So to really take the time and open to other points of views, to have someone walk with you in the darkness, and to be honest, a person who knows a bit about what you're going through on a personal level, I think people can kind of sense that um, pretty quickly. Like, is this person going to know what's going on and therefore sort of how to deal with it? I think it's particularly true about young people as much as we lament their recklessness and obstinance and all that man they're smart at like cutting through the bs i find that they know pretty quickly whether or not it's going to work whereas an adult might might take some time and i'll open-ended the question which is anything now with all that you've shared anything you want to add color to anything you want to no it's just it's funny to self-select how i want to present myself <laughs> <laughs> it's a funny business so you know the the entrepreneurial side of things is, mm -hmm. is not easy for me i think a lot of therapists say that but striking that balance between offering something that is enticing for people and being a blank slate being you know open to whatever to move at the pace of our clients, you know, it's, it's always a tough balance to, to strike. Well, I imagine too, for you, at least my experience of you and that you're authentic, at least how I've balanced that is like, just be authentic in my promotion of myself and be authentic in my sitting with the client. The, the authenticity is such a powerful connector. It's no coincidence that I've primarily seen a lot of young men what comes to mind for me of course is my own experience at that age you know that preteen prepubescent stage going into high school you know forming the identity um, the separation individuation thing with with my own mother at that time and shifting into being more of a silo kind of trying to navigate it on my own not really being able to by myself to deal with like the guilt and the resentment that comes with leaving a parent and, and trying to find this new life for yourself, your own identity separate from it. How much can you change of your sort of karmic lineage and how much is just going to be there? You know, all that stuff. It's so rich. It's such a rich time. Um, it's such a confusing time. I would have refused therapy at that age. And yet I wish I had it then. I had, you know, some kind of a person who really understands that part. And, you know, for me, I became an athlete. That was my first move. That was, that was the way in which I defined myself and the way in which I strive to transcend my own family situation, lacking parts of it. And it was really meaningful for me. And uh, in a lot of ways, it helped me to kind of develop a healthy sense of self so I can relate to young men in that regard. Again, it really does honestly feel like a privilege to see some of these kids and hopefully help them through it. You're speaking to it in, in a sense of young men, but I think it is global across the board, age, gender, 
of right like finding ourselves not just being given ourselves which is a lot of sort of childhood is we're, we're given our family we're given our parents ways of looking at the world but like really finding our own sense of self our own way of how we want to travel through the world and how right those teenage years are the beginning of that and then obviously that journey takes place at many stages through life and getting someone to help us really find ourselves is a joy yeah i guess i would add just helping them to find what they want what they need you know all of us have holes in our lives we have to move on we have to try to find intimacy and to have someone help you kind of figure that out is important i think it really is that is the end all be all like if i can really understand what i want to need and play an active yeah. part in developing it yeah oh boy yeah. <laughs> putting people in the empowered position yeah so it's a new game well i really appreciate you sitting here and i really appreciate because i know you're tired and i know you've had a full week and so i again that makes it even more appreciative for me that you are here doing this with me so well thanks thank for you. having me yeah yeah thank you merrick andera for sharing your wisdom with us and a shout out to my best bud justin reed for the music you hear in each episode if you want to reach out to either of these individuals there are links in the show notes so check those out and of course, thank you to you, the listener, for joining us. If you're digging these conversations, please help us spread the word by telling people directly or through social media about this podcast. Tune in again for another great episode.